I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 130. Today's thought from above is this. Can I be a witness? If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. I recently read a wonderful book by a new friend, Dr. Angela Gurrell, who teaches at Truett Seminary at Baylor. Her book is called The Gravity of Joy, and in the book, Angela tells the story about what she calls her weeks of hell, in which she lost three members of her family in the span of four weeks, one of them being her father. She writes honestly and beautifully about the pain of loss, grief, and suffering and what happens to our faith during these times. Only about 15 months after those losses, she was invited by her church to be on a prayer team at the Easter service. She assumed this meant being available to people who wanted to come to her for prayer. She felt a nudge to do it, and she even enlisted her husband to join her. She writes, A week before Easter, we received an email that told us to show up at the church an hour before the service began. That's when we realized we'd signed up to pray for an hour before the service rather than pray for five minutes over someone during the service. I told Paul, her husband, that this was not what I'd signed up for and that I no longer wanted to do it. I told him I could not imagine what we would all pray about for an hour. I did not think I had anything to say to God, and I did not want to hear anyone else talk to God either for fear that they would say ridiculous things about God that I was not buying into at that point. If someone prayed something like, thank you, God, that you don't give us more than we can handle, I knew I would need to leave and Easter would be ruined more than it already was. I just couldn't do it. Of course, I was not talking to anyone at my church about any of these thoughts or feelings. There seemed to be no place to talk about such dark feelings. I love Angela's honesty here, and I've been right where she is. And I have noticed that While well-meaning, Christians can say, sometimes, the most unhelpful things when others are grieving. She mentions one common bromide. Thank you, God, that you don't give us more than we can handle. I certainly heard that one. Many of you who listen to this podcast know that I've suffered a number of losses and had my own weeks of hell myself. In a span of three years, I lost my close friend, Rich Mullins, our daughter, Madeline, and my mother. Christian friends tried to comfort me, but more often than not, what they said had the opposite effect. A woman in our church said to my wife and I, after our daughter had died, well, I guess God just wanted her to be with him in heaven. To which my wife Megan said to me privately, well, I really wanted her to be here with me, so I'm not really sure I like this God that she's talking about. At one point, I started making a list of what I called Dumb but well-meaning things Christians say in times of grief and loss. 
Out of courtesy, I've kept it to myself. But I resonate with how Angela felt. I remember how hard it was for me to go to church during those seasons of suffering. And that's sad because that's the place you want to be. And like Angela, I am glad that I kept going because here's what she discovered. She writes, We went to the basement and circled up again, and a few more people joined us. There were about nine of us. They took turns praying for a few minutes at a time about the service, and I recall distinctly about resurrection. I held my breath, and then my friend John prayed. He started praying about who God is. Honestly, I got even more nervous, but I listened attentively. God, your love is relentless. The word echoed in my heart. Not just for the following minutes, but throughout the entire Easter service, and then for hours, days, and weeks. Relentless. The love of God and the void of God were somehow held together in John's words. In that very moment, I actually noticed God's presence for the first time since my dad had died. Wow, there is so much truth in this. Her friend John prayed, or more accurately, testified that God is relentless. When I read this story, it reminded me of that great blessing that Eugene Peterson prayed over his son, Leif, which I talked about in a recent past episode. Remember that blessing that he prayed? God loves you. God is on your side. He's coming after you. He is relentless. Both Angela's friend John and Eugene Peterson were proclaiming a great truth. God is relentless in his pursuit of us in love. And I love Angela's summation. The love of God and the void of God were somehow held together in those words. In that very moment, she said, I actually noticed God's presence for the first time since my dad had died. For over a year, God had felt absent, but now she felt God's presence. Angela then concludes this, I was not forgotten. I was not unseen. God had not abandoned me. God's primary response to suffering is withness and witness. The visible manifestation of God's presence in the midst of suffering. Well, wow, again, those are two incredible words, withness and witness. Those, she says, are the primary ways God responds to our suffering. Withness, God is with us, even if it's subtle and hard to detect. And then God responds to our suffering in the witness. What does she mean by witness? Well, she tells the following story about her friend Molly. A day after her dad had died, her friend Molly showed up at her doorstep. Angela writes, Over the next two days, Molly offered no strategies for grief management. She did not invent reasons for why dad died or tried to fix us or stifle our emotions. She simply embodied God's love, her love for us. Witnessing to someone else's suffering and attending to it with deep listening is an essential part of holistic healing, healing through empathy that lessens the burden of suffering and its capacity to isolate the sufferer. Let me repeat those powerful words. Witnessing to someone else's suffering and attending to it with deep listening is an essential part 
of holistic healing, healing through empathy that lessens the burden of suffering and its capacity to isolate the sufferer. Wow, I know exactly what that feels like. Deep listening, empathy, not strategies for management, not reasons to explain the suffering, not stifling the emotions, just listening, standing with them, allowing the person grieving to know that they're not alone. There were so many people that provided that for Megan and I during our seasons of suffering, and I'm so grateful for them. And we long to pay that back. Over the past year, a dear friend of ours has been going through a year of hell. And with his permission, I tell you the story. Megan and I both pray for him, of course, but Megan and I also want to do all we can to create a safe space for him to share his struggles, to vent his emotions, to just tell his story. And we listen, we affirm him, and we do our best not to offer advice. If we talk at all, it's only our own experience of our suffering. We cook a meal, and then we sit by the fire, and we want more than anything else for him to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel loved. Recently, after one of those evenings, he sent me a text the next morning saying, Thank you for letting me blab last night. He was being kind, and he was being appreciative, but it wasn't necessary. We will be there for him no matter how long. I simply texted back, You are never a bother. We love you. What Megan and I are trying to do is exactly what Angela describes. We are witnessing. Not the kind of witnessing we often think of when we try to give our testimony. We are, as she wrote, witnessing to his suffering and attending to it with deep listening. It is, as she explains, an essential part of healing. Old-time preachers used to say, Can I get a witness? which was a way to get the congregation to respond. I've been turning that phrase into this question, can I be a witness? Can I be a witness, not a fixer, not an explainer, not a defender of God, but simply a witness, one who is present to someone who's struggling, standing with them, listening deeply to them. In a class recently, We were talking about the challenge of feeling God with us when we struggle. And then a young woman in the class said, Well, if Christ is in us, and if we are with a person who's struggling, then that must mean that Christ is with them, with them, through us. There was a pause, a silence in the room. And I thought, oh, there's some deep truth. It was one of those beautiful moments when I thank God I get to be a teacher. Can you be a witness? You can. Keep your eyes and ears open this week and bring Christ into the presence of someone who's struggling by simply being with them and listening. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next week. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can. You can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. 
And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.